The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So Donald Trump very recently pardoned his convicted former national security adviser, Michael Flynn. And Flynn is already out there calling for Donald Trump to execute a military coup to retain control of the White House beyond January 20th, despite the fact that it's very uncontroversially true uh, that Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. And things have become so debased that this story is barely making headlines. This is the story of a former top national security official who has been convicted and then pardoned by the president uh, for crimes related to protecting that president who immediately after being pardoned is out saying declare martial law and uh, affect a military coup to retain power. Michael Flynn endorsed a call on Twitter for Trump to go absolutely dictatorial. This is a call from a group called the people, the we the people convention, which says Donald Trump should invoke martial law and just have a new election. Didn't like the results of the first one. We'll do a new one. Martial law is when you impose military control over functions normally handled by civilian government. It's typically something that is done only in extreme emergencies, like really extenuating circumstances, not he lost and he wanted to win. You lost and you wanted to win is not a circumstance in which you uh, invoke martial law. Now, really, we have to understand how dangerous this arc is. Michael Flynn commits crimes in his role as incoming and actual Trump national security advisor. Uh, he's investigated. Trump fires him, seems to understand that Trump uh, that Flynn did the things he's accused of doing. Flynn cooperates with the FBI, sort of is uh, convicted. But Robert Mueller recommends no jail time. Michael Flynn then recants part of his cooperating testimony. Then Trump pardons Flynn, whose crimes are related to protecting Trump himself. And within days, Michael Flynn, former national security adviser, endorses the idea of Donald Trump declaring martial law and holding a new election willy nilly because he didn't like the results of the election that we had. Once again, colloquially speaking, what Michael Flynn is doing is sedition. Sedition is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. That's what this former national security adviser is calling for here, fresh off of a pardon for crimes related to protecting Donald Trump, pardoned by Donald Trump himself. The guy pardoned by Trump for crimes meant to protect Trump is calling for Trump to use the military to stay in power despite having lost the election. Understand how absurd that is. Every individual by. Oh, and there, there's another layer to this. Uh, the day before yesterday, Trump's press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, when uh, she was asked about pardons and with whether Trump would pardon Giuliani or his children, as he's reportedly considering, uh, Kaylee said, the only pardon I can talk about is the one that happened for three star general Michael Flynn. Now, there's something interesting there when uh, a, when someone serves in the military, they take an oath and that oath doesn't expire when you leave active service. You take an oath when you enter the military to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The veterans oath doesn't expire. 
And so on every level, it's particularly ridiculous that Michael Flynn is out there saying invoke martial law, take it, put make a new election because you lost. But the really crazy part is they want us to believe they are the patriotic ones by doing this, even though what they are doing is the opposite of you know, more properly and sensibly defined patriotism. They are advocating uh, uh, for, for the opposite of patriotism. They are they are part of the domestic threats that they are as members of the military supposed to be protecting us against. They believe and certainly claim that they are the patriotic ones by doing this. This national nightmare has gone on way too long. We're down to six and a half weeks, but who knows what they have planned even after Joe Biden is inaugurated. Scary to think about. Uh, Fox News propagandist Sean Hannity is trying to push Donald Trump even further on these corrupt pardons. We know that Donald Trump is already considering preemptively blanket pardoning his attorney, uh, Rudy Giuliani. He's considering preemptive pardons for his son in law, Jared Kushner, and three of his children, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric. But Rudy Giuliani on his radio show this week. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity on his radio show this week suggested that Donald Trump should really pardon himself as well because everybody's just so unfair and terrible to Trump and they might go after him when he's out of office. Take a listen. This is actually from an interview that Sean Hannity does with Sidney Powell. And it's fascinating that even Sidney Powell, who's completely deranged, has to say, you know, self pardons. I'm not so sure about that. Take a look. Unfortunately, I'd estimate that five to 10 percent of our prison population right now is not guilty, but the system did not work as it should have to exonerate them. And we've got to do a better job of that. Not everybody can get a presidential pardon. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And, you know, I'm, I watched Andrew Weissman come out and literally say, oh, Biden's AG needs to go after Donald Trump. And I'm like, the president out the door needs to pardon his whole family and himself because they want this witch hunt to go on in perpetuity. They're so full of rage and insanity against the president. I mean, it's can, can the president, I, I assume that the power of the pardon uh, is absolute and that he should be able to pardon anybody that he wants to. It is absolute. It's in the Constitution. I don't know about his authority to pardon himself. But it should not be necessary. And aside from that, the president's going to get another four years in office to finish the job he started because the election fraud we are uncovering is massive. And uh, there were foreign actors involved in our system. That's actually really funny. Um, even completely delusional, deranged attorney Sidney Powell has to mention, you know, Sean, I'm, I'm just not totally sure about Trump's ability to pardon himself. Uh, and, and that's actually uh, an, an important detail. Now, Sidney Powell is saying lots of crazy things here. So is Sean Hannity. Powell saying Trump actually won. Powell saying Trump's going to get another four years. But she does mention Trump pardoning himself is a question mark. And The New York Times had a really good write up on this issue. Remember that Donald Trump has claimed that he can pardon himself. He tweeted back in June of 2018, which seems like a decade ago, quote, as has been stated by numerous legal scholars, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. But why would I do that when I have done nothing wrong? In the meantime, the never ending witch hunt led by 13 very angry and conflicted Democrats continues into the midterms. Trump can pardon his friends and allies. There's no doubt about it. 
Uh, Trump can pardon people before they are even charged. A preemptive pardon is certainly something Trump can do. Trump cannot protect people from state charges. It is very much in question, however, whether a president can pardon himself or herself. And it's never been attempted. Now, there are legal opinions on both sides. On the yes side, a president can pardon themselves. The argument is the Constitution doesn't say anything about a limit there. The Constitution says nothing about you can't pardon yourself. The Constitution does say if you if a president is impeached and convicted, they can't pardon themselves from an impeachment conviction. So the interpretation from some legal scholars is, listen, it's very clear that when there was meant to be a limit, the Constitution mentions the limit. The Constitution mentions a president can't pardon themselves from an impeachment conviction. So we can infer from that that if the founders intended a president would be unable to pardon themselves from federal crimes, it would be mentioned. Since it's not mentioned, a president can do it. That's one interpretation. Okay. Now, on the other side, there are many counters. One counter is the Constitution says the president can grant a pardon. And this is a sort of linguistic analysis. The word grant means from the president to someone else. And so the presence of the word grant means a president can't pardon themselves. That's one argument. Another argument on the the president can't pardon themselves side argues that a principle in all law nationally, federally at the state level, there's a principle in law that you cannot be a judge in your own case and that a self pardon would effectively be the president being a judge in his or her own case. So the simplest situation, as has been discussed, is instead of Trump pardoning himself and maybe being subject to legal challenge, the simplest path forward that has been floated is Trump resigns shortly before uh, the end of his term. Mike Pence becomes president. Mike Pence pardons Donald Trump. Uh, no doubt about it. That would be far simpler. I still don't think that that is actually going to happen, but it would be interesting to be wrong on that one. And if it if I am wrong and Donald Trump does resign in order for Mike Pence to uh, preemptively pardon him, uh, that will be one of the biggest political history stories, uh, certainly for decades to come. Later on today, we are going to talk about international reaction to the continued voter fraud claims being made in the United States and international reaction to Joe Biden continuing to move forward with his incoming administration. We are also going to talk. I got a lot of emails from people saying, David, do you think Tucker Carlson is the direction the Republican Party will go in in 2024? And I have some thoughts about it, which we will discuss a little bit later. And then we also now that the uh, presidential transition has formally been started, the GSA saying we are releasing these seven point three million dollars uh, in funds to Joe Biden to officially start that transition. We are going to address the question of whether presidential transitions should even depend on a sitting president. But there's a second layer to that question, which is do they really even depend on the sitting president? Because remember, whether or not the transition funds were released to Joe Biden, Donald Trump stops being president on January 20th at noon Eastern time either way. So all of those questions and your calls are upcoming. We've got a great program for you today. Let me know what you're following, what you're paying attention to. You can find me on Twitter at D Pacman. We will take a very quick break and be back right after this. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. dot 
Our sponsor, Pure VPN, is having a huge Black Friday sale right now. They're giving you 88% off a subscription, which comes out to only a little over a dollar a month. Pure VPN makes you anonymous when you're browsing online, and you can trust them because they're the only VPN in the industry with an always on third party audit to verify that your internet activity is not being logged. By hiding your IP address, Pure VPN keeps you safe from hackers and prevents you from being spied on by your internet service provider, social media companies, and even government surveillance. It also lets you watch shows and movies that aren't available in your country. Pure VPN is super fast. You can use it on all of your devices. And I can tell you firsthand the app is really easy to use. And they have 6,500 servers across the world, which is more than any other VPN in the industry. Everyone should be using a VPN when connecting to the internet. And now is the perfect time to start because Pure VPN is giving you an 88% discount on a subscription, which comes out to only a little over $1 per month. Go to davidpackman.com slash pure VPN. That's davidpackman.com slash P U R E VPN. The link is in the podcast notes. A lot of the shirts you see me wearing on YouTube are actually made by a company called Teddy Stratford. I love these shirts, and that's why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. It really is the most innovative shirt you can buy because most slim fit button up shirts give you this weird stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are. You don't get that with the Teddy Stratford shirts because all of their shirts come with a patented zipper hidden beneath the buttons, which prevents the chest from stretching apart like that. But most importantly, just overall, it makes the shirt fit much better and look better. The carefully designed shirt is also cut in a way that improves the look of your upper body physique. It has a really nice, elegant, close fit that other shirts don't really give you. It also has a specially designed collar that won't fall down and lay flat, which I love. The difference all around with these shirts really is noticeable. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's go to the phone lines and hear what's on people's minds today. We are taking calls via Discord at davidpackman.com slash Discord. Uh, let's start today with uh, Caleb from Atlanta. Caleb from Atlanta, you are, uh, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi, David. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the future of, I guess, political discourse in this country. It seems like Donald Trump has really just made everyone like very unable to just talk about anything nowadays. And I was wondering if there's any recovery from this or like the future of I guess conservatives more generally. Yeah, it's it's really going to depend. It's going to depend on two things. The Republican Party is going to have to decide whether the coarsening and debasement of the discourse that happened under Donald Trump, whether they want to keep things that way or not. Now, if you go back to the George W. Bush era, 
there was a hell of a lot of debasing and, and, and coarsening of the discourse then. But it was nothing compared to what we saw under Donald Trump, you know, uh, mocking disabilities. And uh, I mean, listen, I don't have to give you the full list. You, you know it, of course. Um, I think that the left also has a role to play in the sense that the left could make a stronger stand about we are just not going to accept some of this ba very base uh, way of talking about politics as valid, and we're just not going to engage in it. But I have a, I have a, I worry that that could have the backfire effect that the right will say the left doesn't want to hear any ideas that are different than their own. But I think that unfortunately, a lot of this depends on whether the Republican Party says we we have to step up the the level of debate a little, or whether they, you know, they if they perceive that they benefit from the way Donald Trump has debased the discourse, then they may continue. They may decide it's good for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you. Thanks for your time. All right, Caleb, I'm going to let you go. Sounds like you've got a lot going on there, but I do very much appreciate you uh, calling in. Always great to hear from folks all over. Let's go to Dwayne from Buffalo, New York. Dwayne from Buffalo, you're on the air. Dwayne from Buffalo, please unmute yourself. You were on the air and you could be speaking to me right now if only you unmuted yourself. Can you hear me, David? Yes, I can. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. good. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and say you have a intellectually stimulating show. Uh, listen to you and Kyle Kalinsky and uh, yeah, just keep up the good work. You really um, you're doing a good job in making people think very hard about uh, what's going on in society. Keep it up. I appreciate that. So, OK, so you 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 watch the David Pakman show. You listen to Kyle. What else is in your media diet, so to speak? Uh, New York Times, local news, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, CNN and MSNBC. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes just for fun, I'll take a quick peek at Newsmax okay. and uh, One American News. But I'm not really uh, obviously I don't listen to that seriously. And from the standpoint of independent left wing media, is there anything else in addition to to Kyle? Uh, not really. Um, the Young Turks, of course. Okay. Um, but I don't really listen to them as much as I listen to you guys. But I still do my independent research, you know, and corroborate things to make sure that I'm getting a full like world view of everything. Well, it sounds like you're making every effort to have a uh, well well rounded uh, diet. Is it what what's the scene in Buffalo in terms of masks and virus guidelines right now? Well, our uh, COVID cases have been going up pretty sharply here, especially where I am. Um, but hopefully the uh, political leaders, they get everything under control, you know, especially with the vaccine right around the corner. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but, you know, you still have occasional people without masks and stuff when you go to the grocery store. Oh, are they allowed inside without masks? Uh, in some cases. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Uh, all right. Very good. Well, I, I appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, David. All right. There's a Dwayne from Buffalo coming in with some uh, some nice some nice praise, I would say. Let's go next to Alex from Orange County. Alex from Orange County, you're on the air. Um, hey, David, can you hear? Yes, I can. Hey, David. So um, I've been noticing that there is a lot of infighting in the left wing spaces, but um, I've been hearing a lot of um, infighting in right wing spaces 
um, such as Republicans refusing to vote in the um, Georgia Senate election. So do you think there's a lot more infighting in um, right-leaning spaces, but we don't know about it because we, we're not like we don't hang out in those spaces? Or do you think it's like the same? That's a good question. I, I think, you know, why would it be the same? So, no, I don't think it's the same, but I think that the nature of the infighting on the left and the right ten, tends to be a little different. Like, for example, earlier this week, I did a big segment about how I think Neera Tandon is a disastrous cabinet pick by Joe Biden. And I explained why. And I made clear that I don't regret voting for Joe Biden. Obviously, the majority of Joe Biden's uh, picks are fine and certainly better than the people Donald Trump has in power. Some might call that infighting, but at no point do I have any doubt about what the right thing to do in terms of who to support is. So we have to look at the nature of the infighting. When you look at what's happening in Georgia, where there's a movement to boycott the election altogether because Georgia officials aren't taking seriously enough Trump's claims of voter fraud, that's infighting of the of a degree that has a very different impact than me saying, hey, I wish Biden had picked somebody else. So I think it's less about the quantity, but really looking at the impact of the infighting or the disagreements. Like um, I, I, I do and see what you understand, but also I remember um, after the election, yeah, um, a lot of the Democrats were saying like people like AOC and rhetoric like defund the police is hurting the Democratic Party. So I was like, um, I was thinking of things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, there are disagreements over defund the police, but understand that in the actual Democratic Party power brokers, there's very few people who actually want to defund. They really want to reform. Uh, when you look at, you, you know, almost all Democrats ended up voting for Joe Biden. So I think that if, if what you're talking about is, are, is there spirited debate from different factions? The answer is absolutely. Is it happening in a way in a way that's that's destructive? It doesn't really seem to be right now. And if it if it does become that, I will absolutely call it out. OK, because um, I hope this doesn't affect the, the midterm elections um, in twenty twenty two. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, we and we we've got time until that happens. But I, I think your concern is a reasonable one. OK, um, that'll be it. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. Thank you for calling in. Very, very much appreciate it. Uh, we are taking calls via discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go to Venice, Italy and speak to Emilio. Uh, Emilio, I am tentatively going to be in Venice in 10 months for a wedding if it all goes well. Really? Very much so. I'm telling the, the truth. Ah, perfect. I'm glad that you can have this opportunity to visit uh, this beautiful city. I look forward to it. Thank you for uh, picking up my call. And uh, I, have more like, I would like to um, uh, have, tell you uh, that you have a very beautiful show. Thank Unfortunately, you. I cannot uh, support you right now because my income uh, now is uh, on an intermittent uh, pace. <laughs> Emilio, uh, that's okay. You're supporting on. us by just calling in and saying nice things. And I, I would like to talk to you, uh, to talk to you about uh, um, a friend of mine. Uh, she was at the elementary with me. Yeah. She, uh, she has the, her father is American. Okay. And um, she moved back to New York. Okay. And uh, 
before the, the election, she and uh, his uh, father, they moved back to Italy and he left the, the house and the job, everything, because she was really scared of, of uh, all the situation uh, about the pandemic and uh, of the turnout of the election. Okay. And uh, from there, I start uh, looking more, um, uh, dedicate more time to all this matter, because I always uh, keep an eye on international news, but uh, it was really upsetting all the all this all the thing is, is going on in uh, your country. <laughs> yes, unbelievable, really. That is an understatement. Upsetting is an understatement. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So, uh, thank you for uh, picking my uh, my call and uh, uh, have a nice day. Oh, all right. Very good. All right. I, I appreciate it. And, Emilio. Yes. And if you, if you don't have a, um, uh, a flat, uh, an apartment, uh, you can contact me. Because, oh, all uh, right. Maybe I will stay with you. Yeah. Would we have to share a bed or would I get a sleeping bag or? No, we, um, we, um, sometimes we rent, uh, um, a little, but not very nice uh, apartment. Uh, so if you, if you are in, if you like uh, this uh, opportunity. And uh, now, hold on. Did you say little and very nice or little and not very nice? No, no. Very, very nice. Very nice. OK. All right, Emilio. I like the sound of that. All right, Emilio. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye. Emilio from Venice, Italy. What a call. That is just wild, wild stuff. Uh, OK. Let's see. Um, why don't we go next? There's there's just so many people itching to get on, I guess, is the way I would say it. Um, and we want to, you know, take a tour of different areas for sure. Let's go to I, I hope I'm saying this correctly. Is it Sorel from Texas or Sarel? Sarel. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What what is the origin of that name? What a pleasure. It is a combination of my first and second name. Oh, okay. Very nice. How are you today? Good, good. But I've been following for a while and I recently uh, subscribed as well. So I thoroughly enjoy the contents and I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Basically, I just wanted to make a, a comment on the importance of education and not only institutionalized education, but what we're seeing at home. I feel like the the situation right now in the U.S. Um, um, I live on the border, so I also get a taste of, of Mexico and what's going on over there and all the border issues. But as an educator myself, I see this as a reflection of many years of of neglect in in awareness and social awareness. Right, our students right now have this this sense of um, detachment from the political reality. Mm. And I feel like we you've talked about it a lot recently. So the problem is what do we do with all these people that who voted for Trump and who who are um champion champions of 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 these attitudes that cause us so much grief and and social um you know destruction. So in a way I just want to make kind of like a call of the about the importance of of making this awareness from home. And starting also at home because these people are going to vote in a few years, and this is a circus. So governments come and go, but later on, you know, we're going to have to vote again. And what are the choices if we tolerate 
all these all these um, attitudes if we normalize. All right. Well, attitudes. that was going to be my question to you, which is by the time you're as an educator, by the time they get to you, is it too late? Like it really depends on starting at home. Um, that's a great question. I teach high school and and college survey courses. Yeah. So this kind of that right time where um, youth um, they're, they're distracted with other things. Right. And developing a character. But you see the behavior in the classroom, and sometimes it is this this um, microscopic vision of what we see in society, right? Right. The intolerance, the rudeness, the things that inherently come from home, and and these are values that have nothing to do with religion, that have nothing to do with anything but plain moral and being a good person. Well, that seems and like I, a big hill to climb. I I I it, I, I think you're completely right, but this is a big task. Right. And that's why I also think that sometimes governments um, do not invest enough in education because it's a long term investment. And yeah. If your term want, is two, four or oh, six years, why are you going to exactly. tie up a whole bunch of money and things you'll never see the benefits of as a politician? It, uh, right. Right. Very, right, sad, right. very so, sad. Just just that. And, and thank you so much for the work. Keep it up. And it's it's great talking to you. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure. Uh, let's take a quick break. If you're holding on to talk to me, don't go anywhere because we're going right back to the calls after this short break. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Privacy.com is one of our sponsors, and they're giving you $5 just for using their free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. Privacy is a service I've been using for a while now. I love it. It saves me a bunch of headaches. It's completely free, and it's very quick to set up. And here's how it works. When you pay for something online or over the phone, instead of exposing your real credit card number, privacy lets you generate virtual card numbers. The payments are withdrawn from your checking account, but your real card number stays completely private and you do it all with one click. You can autofill the card number in your web browser on the phone. You can create 12 virtual cards a month. You can set spending limits, freeze them, delete them whenever you want. I especially love it for free trials where you need to give a credit card number because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. If you're ordering food over the phone, why do I need to give a restaurant my real card number? If I don't have to companies don't have to know who you are. Your real credit card number is protected from the data breaches that happen, unfortunately, more often than we would like. And it's completely free. They do have a paid version with different tiers where you can create more virtual credit card numbers per month, cashback rewards, extra security features. But go ahead and sign up for the free service. It's a no brainer. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. You're protected from identity theft. It costs you nothing. And privacy is giving you five dollars to spend just for signing up when you go to privacy.com slash Pacman. I want to let you know that our sponsor Vincero watches is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpackman.com slash watch a brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. 
Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman Show. Okay, let's get back to the phones uh, via Discord at davidpakman.com slash Discord and hear from some folks who uh, want to get in. Uh, let's go next to uh, let's go to Bart from California. Bart from California, what's going on? Bart from California, you were on, but you must unmute oh, yourself. I'm here. How are you, David? Good. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. We're still in covid land. Unfortunately, we're in uh, even in California, we're suffering pretty much, but we're safe right at the moment. Our family's safe. So that's good. Good. Um, I had a you know, I, by the way, I love your show. I listen to it every you know, every day. Uh, it's just a wonderful show. And you know, it's just great intellectual discussions. <laughs> I'm just really pleased <laughs> with the content. Appreciate so thank it. You. Absolutely. Um, my my question is about the um, about the Electoral College. Uh, what I'm here's here's my premise. Um, it seems like we're being held hostage, essentially, to the Electoral College in the sense that as uh, people leave the, the Midwest, you know, the young people leave and go to perhaps California and New York and different places that are more, you know, progressive. Uh, it's sort of a distillation process that ends up causing basically us to be more and more conservatively strapped, essentially. And I just wanted to get your take on that and what and which. And how can we uh, basically get rid of the Electoral College? Well, so the, it's a two part question. First, yes, you're absolutely right that I mean, listen, any one vote has a different amount of power in a, in one state versus another. If you mm -hmm. move as a if you as a as a Democratic leaning voter, if you move from Florida to California, the likelihood that your vote will impact the election results has gone down dramatically. You still get one vote on paper, right? It's one vote either way. Yeah. But yeah. it's very unlikely that your vote will make a difference in California. While it was much more likely it would make a difference, you know, it could, you could say North Carolina, Georgia, whatever. Um, so that's absolutely true. And Republicans know this. Republicans benefit from it. Republicans very frequently lose the uh, popular vote and have won the presidency. I believe I saw today that it's been in the last eight elections. Republicans only got 48 percent of the popular vote. I believe it's one time Man. or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. Now, how do yeah. you get rid of the Electoral College? I because so many states are run by Republicans and Republicans know they benefit from the Electoral College. You're not going to do it via a constitutional amendment. I think the most direct path is the national popular vote interstate compact by which states can decide 
to award their electoral votes, not to the winner of their state, but to the winner of the popular vote nationally. If enough states uh. do that, you have a sort of de facto popular vote and they have a website and you can learn a lot more about it. That sounds great. That's that's what I was uh, thinking. Yeah, great. It would be very difficult. And yeah. by the way, this came this came up when I was talking to uh, when I was phone banking for Biden. Uh, a, a person in Ohio was telling me this: that all the young people are leaving Ohio because they just no jobs. You know, right. So they're just leaving. And <laughs> anyway, well, that so. also, you know, what's interesting about that Bart is it goes to the importance of job creation in those states because it can yes. keep people, particularly young people who are more likely if they enter the workforce in that state, they are more likely to stay. We know young people are more likely to vote for Democrats. Job creation can be a big campaign strategy in practice. Yeah, actually, with the COVID situation, a lot of remote working, which I was like Hawaii, for example, I heard is now trying to attract people to live there. Yeah, uh, maybe this is a good time to attract people back to the Midwest with, uh, yeah, hey, you can re you can work remotely, right? <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a perfect idea. Yeah, um, that's that's only really all I had. I was just uh, uh, just wondering about that particular topic. Um, I wish there was a way to get rid of Mitch McConnell. I mean, that that person seems like such an evil man that I just can't believe we he basically controls the fate of millions of Americans. And I he wish does. there was a way to uh, it's just tens of millions even. Listen, Bart, tens I appreciate the call. Thank no. you so much. Absolutely. Have a great day, David. Thank you. All right. There's Bart from California. Very, very strong call. Let's go to uh, Manfred from Hong Kong. Manfred from Hong Kong. You were on the air. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, so I was just wondering um, what the relationship between um, China and U.S. would become under yeah, Biden. I yeah. think you're going to see um, a lot of the trade war aspects dealt with, although, you know, we have to understand that at this point, China is likely to sort of want to negotiate on the uh, uh, removal of tariffs because yeah. what Donald Trump did is crazy. So I don't you know, there are some who think it, it will be as simple as Joe Biden being sworn in and then saying to China, let's get rid of all those tariffs. I don't think it's going to be that e that easy. And I understand why. Uh, but I do think that, Joe, you know, Joe Biden is someone who understands much more about China than Donald Trump will, will ever hope to. And I'm hoping for a normalization of relations. Yeah. The other question I have is um, throughout the campaign, Joe Biden always said that he wants unity. And judging from his cabinet, do you think he achieved that goal? Well, listen, this is a beautiful question, Manfred. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Joe Biden is not going to pick right wingers to his cabinet by and large. Right. So most of the picks, I think, are very reasonable people. Like as an example, Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen is yeah. a left wing economist, but she is eminently qualified. She's an academic, a scholar. She's not going to do anything crazy. Nothing that she would support would be socialism. She's a very reasonable selection. Now, uh, Neera Tanden, who Joe Biden selected the left, the, the progressive left and many on the right dislike Neera Tanden. I think it's the opposite of unity. I think that pick was a disaster. So I think there's a lot of this and a lot of that with the selections that Joe Biden has made so far. 
Um, so overall, um, what do you think? Overall, I think that Joe Biden's selections have mostly been, of course, people on the left, center left. Um, and as much as one could expect Republicans to be OK with that, they, they have not been controversial selections in any way. Oh, yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I so Manfred, so you're really how, how how are things in Hong Kong right now? Um, it's been fine. Um, there are a little bit surge in COVID cases. Yeah. It's, yeah. Overall, it's been fine. So, um, right. We try to get the local cases down to zero, but we just can't do it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And and have you been listening to the show, watching the show for a while? Yeah. Um, about August, I think. Since August. OK. Yeah. Well, Manfred, I really yeah. appreciate it. You're the first caller we've had from Hong Kong. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Manfred from Hong Kong. What a call. What a call. Uh, we are uh, hearing from folks in all sorts of different areas. Let's go next to Richard from Pueblo. Richard from Pueblo. Hey, man. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes, I can. Cool. Hell yeah. Hey, Dave. Big fan. Uh, I have one question and I'm not sure the other two, but they could be comments or questions. But how's your day? The day is going, going very well. Yes. I just heard today that the UN just voted to decriminalize cannabis. I wanted to know your thoughts. And, the UN um, voted to do it. What does that mean? Where Where does the UN have jurisdiction? Uh, they, from what MarijuanaMoment.net was saying, is that they were making the claim that it. It's not a vote that like will change the world at the right. end of the day. It's a vote that will be like a watershed moment. Did they vote to recommend countries decriminalize? Is that what they did? Uh, they used the term international control. Dot dot dot. Whatever that means. Okay. So I was wanted to ask you when they say international control, does that mean like? If you have a ship like a Merck ship going from UK to US and I don't know, it's carrying cannabis, does someone from another country have the right to stop that boat? Or is it like. So here's what happened. I just looked it up. The UN voted a UN commission voted to remove cannabis for medicinal purposes from a category of the most dangerous drugs, which could clear the way to expand research and medical use. They're based in Vienna and include 53 member states considered a series of recommendations from the WHO. The most important part is removing cannabis from schedule four of the 1961 single convention on narcotics. Experts say this will have no impact at all on international controls because governments still have jurisdiction, but many countries look to global conventions for guidance. Okay, so this doesn't do anything, but it's a signal from the UN that at this point they believe cannabis for medical shouldn't be classified as one of the most dangerous drugs. So this is a very modest change, but not irrelevant, and we should still support it. All right. I needed a second opinion. Thank you for that. Also, um, 
you, I've called before on the show on basis on uh, what if the DEA could be reformed. So I have to ask you a, a dumb question. So don't laugh, but the, the second question is, if I, I don't know, got the opportunity to reform the DEA, would you be my press, press secretary, like, on the job with you? I would not. No, that's not a job I'm interested in. Oh, sorry. No. Well, I hope your day goes better. All right. Richard from Pueblo. Very, very good. An unusual phone call and very uh, strange uh, audio uh, tone there. But, uh, you know, always interested in various devices that people sometimes use to call in. Let's go to um, if you want to go next. Let's go to. Uh, wait, whoa, we've got a lot. Oh, how about Flippy from Indiana? Flippy from Indiana. You're on the air. Flippy from Indiana, please unmute. You are on the air, my friend. And last opportunity for Flippy from Indiana to unmute and talk to me. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, David, it's me. Um, I just was wondering if you've ever reconsidered making an OnlyFans. Sorry, if I if I've done making an omelet, what? No, no, making an OnlyFans. Uh, you know, uh, earnings season is over, and it's time for you to show us your zucchini. <laughs> That's very clever. No, listen. Um, I think I'd I'd be more likely, uh, I'd be more likely to show my my Granny Smith apples than any zooks, to be perfectly frank, Flippy. That works too. Yeah. Uh, no, but I am on Cameo, which I think is like the work safe OnlyFans, right? Well, that works. Well, thank you. Uh, and by the way, where, where does the name Flippy come from? Oh, just an alias online. Oh, does it have any meaning? No. <laughs> does it relate to like a, fl a floppy disk, for example? Remember those five and a quarter inches? Oh, it's supposed to be like flippy floppy, like a stupid way to call flip flops. Oh, I got it. By the way, are you cleaning a violin in the background? Uh, no, it's birds. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's birds. Oh, OK. Um, all right. Very good. Well, listen, I really I really appreciate the call, Flippy. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. That is a perfect phone call. So I think we're going to have to end on that. I, I do apologize. I wasn't able to get to every call, um, but we got a wide variety from all over the world and we will certainly have to do something with uh, with that call. Uh, thanks, everybody. I hope to get to more calls next time. We will take a quick break and be right back after this. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. What if you could read 10 books in just one sitting? That's exactly what one of my favorite apps lets you do. It's called Blinkist. And what they do is take thousands of popular nonfiction books. They condense them down into text or audio that you can consume in 15 minutes. Blinkist makes sure that you're getting all of the important core insights from each book. So it's perfect for exploring a book you otherwise wouldn't have time for. If there's a full book you're thinking about buying, you can use Blinkist to get a sample first. Just think how much you can enrich yourself by being able to soak up an entire nonfiction book in just 15 minutes. I recently checked out the book Podcast Marketing Strategy by Daniel Rolls and Kieran Rogers and so useful, so particularly applicable to what I'm doing. Really recommend it. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free 
and get 25% off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH masks. SNH masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for covid-19. And they're giving my audience 20 percent off. SNH masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell. And that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you. And I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, and it features a disposable five layer particle filter made of activated carbon. They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. All right, let's get into audience questions for the week. One that I've been getting from people all over the world with anecdotes and also from Americans asking what is going on elsewhere in the world is what is the reaction around the world to Donald Trump's refusal to accept that he simply lost his continued pro uh, promotion of these completely baseless, factless conspiracy theories about voter fraud and massive dumps, as he talked about over the weekend and that he really won Georgia and he really won Pennsylvania and so on. How does the world see it? And the answer is that much of the world is laughing, but a lot of the world is also really concerned by by what they are seeing. And of course, the question spot on that it's been a month. There's been no real concession from Trump where he says, I got I got beat. I was defeated. Uh, Joe Biden got more votes in more states. Uh, Donald Trump has sort of danced around it. He's authorized the transition to start. And we'll talk about that transition a little bit later in the segment. He has sort of almost had some verbal slip ups where he says, you know, we won't do a shutdown. I don't know if the next uh, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but we won't do a shutdown right that we've seen that stuff. And we've even seen reports of Trump privately understanding that he doesn't have a path to victory. But there's been no real concession from Donald Trump. A lot of the world is laughing and tends to see Trump more as just an idiot. Uh, and that includes like anecdotally the people I hear from who watch the show who are in Ireland, just like as one example, they are more on the. We can't believe this idiotic moron and the things that he is doing. Anecdotally, again, our viewers from Germany, they don't seem to be finding the humor in it as much as some others. And they seem genuinely worried about the state of our democracy. Now, maybe that's something about Germany's past 
that informs how the Germans I'm hearing from are reacting differently to the Irish uh, folks that I'm hearing from. But when the world sees that world leaders are calling Biden, they're talking about getting things done with Joe Biden. They're getting started on a variety of projects and issues. It's Biden that world leaders are now dealing with when it comes to coronavirus. As an example, Joe Biden's task force already uh, seemingly more uh, ready and willing to get things done than the one that Donald Trump has had in place for more than half a year at this point in time. And so while there is some laughter and some pointing and some look at that idiot in the United States, there is also the doubt that the world is increasingly experiencing about like, what is the standing of the United States in terms of a democracy? What is going on with the strength of American checks and balances that this continues to go on? And, and then if you're paying attention to the legal maneuvers that the Trump uh, legal team is trying, it's the stuff of shame, not putting in the legal briefs, the things they say publicly, like there was actual fraud. They don't put that in the legal briefs because they know they don't have the evidence for it. And earlier this week, we had this clip of news anchors from Brazil unable to contain their laughter at Donald Trump's bizarre press conference on Thanksgiving Day. There's also a lot of straight up pointing and laughing. There's no there's certainly no shortage of it. Uh, we are increasingly seen as an unstable country, one that cannot be trusted in deals. The Iran deal being the perfect example, any foreign deal made with one president could be thrown out by the next president, as Donald Trump did with the Iran deal, even though Iran didn't actually violate any aspects of that deal. So this is, you know, the big picture is whether you're laughing or crying or scared or whatever your view is of what's going on, embarrassed for the United States. The big picture is how can such a rich country considered to be the leader on so many issues until only a short time ago. How can we be having these problems? How can we be having uh, um, uh, the, the a, a president who can't even tell the truth for a minute when the topic of whether he lost comes up? How do we have so many people without health care and people on food stamps and people lacking basic education and crumbling infrastructure, laughable airports considered to other rich countries? Right. Like the problems are, of course, bigger than Donald Trump. How do we have this religious, not anti science thing running rampant, even not just people, but people in positions of power in the United States? Some of this stuff Joe Biden can start to write. Uh, some of it takes much longer and it's much more than just a president can do. And it goes well beyond the, the Oval Office. And so we've really got our work cut out for us. Um, and, and the world is noticing now a lot of Trumpists don't care. A lot of Trumpists say, why? Sissy Europeans don't like what we're doing. It must mean we're doing the right thing. I mean, that's the approach that a lot of these Trumpists have. And that's part of what we need to fix here. Hey, David, if Trump doesn't run in 2024, could Tucker Carlson be the future of Trumpism and or the Republican Party? So at this point, before I even talk about Tucker, anybody who hears that question and says Tucker Carlson, Fox News propagandist, could never be the Republican nominee. Seems premature. I am nowhere near as confident as people saying that about uh, uh, those proclamations. Look at 2016. Okay. Who would have thought a few years prior that Trump would be the Republican nominee? For, you know, forget about president, but the Republican nominee. So if you say, listen, it could be Tucker, listen, it could be Don Jr. 
listen, it could be the my pillow guy. I would rule nothing out at this point, because if the Republican electorate has proven anything over the last four years, it's that they can be bamboozled into choosing almost quite literally anyone, maybe not anyone, but almost anyone as their nominee. And they've proven that by how easily they were bamboozled by Donald Trump in 2016. Now, Tucker specifically in 2024. First, I think it's too early. And the reason it's too early is that 2024 is going to likely be more about coalitions than the individual. So could it be that the coalitions get behind Tucker? Sure. Could it be that the coalitions get behind Marco Rubio? Maybe. Could it be that they get behind the my pillow guy? The, The reason I would rule nothing out is that you have actual Trump cultists right now. These are the people chanting Fox News sucks outside of voting. Uh, vote count uh, locations. These are the people who email me and they say, David, don't you realize Trump is getting four more years? Uh, You've got the Trump cultists. You then have the Republican loyalists. Now, I'm I'm kind of slicing and dicing this a little bit differently than I often do. Often I say you've got the pro business people, the libertarian people and the evangelical religious right. This is different because it's more uh, voting contingencies. I'm talking about Trump cultists. Republican loyalists, in which I include the social conservatives, the evangelical types, etc., people who who are more on cultural issues uh, uh, and because of socialism and so on, voting for Republicans. And then I've got these kind of economic conservatives, and those are the people that that were most likely to not like Trump because they found all of the other stuff pretty uh, uh, distasteful. Um, it's it's people who basically want relatively low regulation and lower taxes and, and business freedom, but they're not social conservatives and they find Trump to be a buffoon. I think that that first group, the Trump cultists, mostly disappears unless Trump simply keeps going and campaigns all through the next four years and runs in 2024 to once again be the Republican nominee. If Trump doesn't do that, I believe that the Trump cultists are the group that will determine whether the Republican Party goes back to like, you know, Jeb, that type of thing in 2024, or whether Trump or someone wacky could be the nominee again. Do the Trump cultists become normal conservative Republicans? Do the Trump cultists fragment and take away from the Republican Party by creating some uh, new coalition? Do the Trump cultists, many of which were never even paying attention to politics before Trump, do they just get back out of politics altogether and go back to wherever they were before? I do think it would be a mistake to say that it was only Trump's celebrity prior to 2016 that gave him the cult like following. The celebrity may well have helped. But what really gave Trump the cult like following was that he tapped into these ideas that were really bolstered during the Obama era, including just standard racism, but also the idea of working class whites feeling like they are losing privileged status, not saying that they rightly felt that, but they felt it and the sort of xenophobic stuff that was often kind of scattered and not above the surface. Trump was able to say to all those people, come to the surface, say this stuff publicly. You are with me. That's how he developed the cult like following. The celebrity certainly helped. And so I think those are all factors we have to think about going into 2024. But I would rule out nothing in terms of could it be Tucker? Sure. Could it be, you know, Ivanka? 
It could be I would rule nothing out at this point. David, given the fiasco with Trump not conceding, should presidential transitions really depend on an administration official of the sitting president like Emily Murphy at the GSA? This is a great question. The framework for the official transition is outlined by the Presidential Transition Act of 1963. And insofar as that outlines the official piece of the transition, the General Service Administration head Emily Murphy was um, the person who had to authorize about seven million dollars in funds to be made available to Joe Biden to officially start the transition. Now, in a sense, the transition doesn't really depend on her. And what I mean by that is the GSA head, as directed by Trump, doesn't really need to do anything in order for Joe Biden to be president and sworn in on January 20th. These are separate processes. What the GSA process does is it recognizes the current administration sees the president elect as the president elect. We are freeing up funding. It greases the wheels for starting to give Joe Biden the presidential daily briefing and facilitating uh, some some other things. But either way, on January 20th, Trump stops being president and the Supreme Court chief justice swears in the new president. It doesn't actually depend on the GSA. That being said, I do believe that at this point in time, listen, the, the explanation that Emily Murphy gave was um, I'm supposed to ascertain the winner of the election. I'm not supposed to impose the winner on the country. And because it was contested, it was not totally clear to me that I could ascertain the winner uh, yet. But now I have. And she's tried to kind of pull herself out of this as a partisan actor. It's basically BS. Um, historically, with the exception of the year 2000, where it really did depend on one recount in one state and it took about a month for that to be formally recognized. Uh, it's pretty clear that there has been an apparent winner and there was no reason whatsoever uh, that Emily Murphy should not have done this earlier. And in the 21st century, you know, at this point in time, the longest it should really take to ascertain the winner of an election is a few days. And that's what it took. Within a few days, it was clear that Joe Biden was going to be the next president. So I do think it would be. I mean, listen, this is a reminder of what this reminds us that we have certain checks and balances in this country that work OK as long as you don't have anybody violating the obvious norms. And Donald Trump, if he did anything, is he went against all of the norms you know, Hatch Act, uh, sharing classified information, all of these different things. So what we've learned is you could have someone as whacked as Trump that doesn't abide by the norms. And then you can have a situation where Emily Murphy spends almost a month before formally authorizing the transition. It's sort of a microcosm of the Trump presidency. We probably should have some more concrete requirements for the GSA right now. Again, it says the GSA should ascertain the winner of the election. It doesn't say how um, typically, you know, the media calls the race and that's not official. It's not official until the electors actually vote. But the GSA goes with it and the process begins. But there's nothing in the law that explicitly says that that's how it has to happen. So I would like to see something made more explicit. Again, it wouldn't have prevented Biden from becoming president. He would have anyway. 
but she certainly was able to gum up elements of the transition and you could spell it out much more specifically. That's my thought. Uh, the, 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 the important point is the transition doesn't actually depend on the current administration. They certainly can get in the way of some funding for the transition, but ultimately the presidency would end and Joe Biden would become president regardless on January 20th. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Get instant access to the bonus show by becoming a member at joinpacman.com.